Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, new variants of the rapidly mutating coronavirus are still popping up around the world. And a new iteration of COVID is on the rise in Asia. It may be the most immune evasive yet. The XBB strain, I'm sure you've heard of it, causing a small surge in cases in several countries, including here in Singapore. What exactly is the strain? How worried should you be? How can you better protect yourself? And what about more mutations? well, joining us on the line now, Dr. Lo Chiaxin, Infectious Diseases Specialist from Farrah Park Hospital. Hi, Dr. Lo. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, everybody. So, Dr. Lo, talk to us more about the XBB variant. I mean, some experts say it has the potential to replace the BA4 and BA5 variants and that it's more yeah. transmissible and infectious, though it's not really clear how virulent it is. I think, first of all, uh, the nomenclature can be sort of explained to give uh, some mm. idea. X, BB, X means cross. BB means B2B variant. So, like, uh, it seems to be a cross between BA2 and BA45. So, basically, they're saying this, this XBB variant has the mutations that are seen in BA2 and seen in BA45. Uh, it's accumulating mutations. And the fact that it has come up in these numbers, if these kind of spike, uh, it is natural that it's really starting to replace the BA45. So there's absolutely no reason why it should suddenly stop in its tracks. And we are not surprised by this because a uh, virus eventually will evolve, given pressure and permeability of transmission, to become more and more transmissible. It is just the very nature of its evolution because the less transmissible one will, will just not transmit and, and die off in the old host. And the one that transmits forward will form the new progeny that's more transmissible. Mm. So but it may not necessarily be more virulent, right? Yeah, I, I think something got pothmarked uh, uh, recently, right? Yes. Uh, there is um, no impetus uh, or, or scientifically evolutionary pressure to push the virus to evolve to be more lethal or more virulent. There is no evolutionary pressure like that. But sometimes it may just be. But so far, the evidence is not showing. But to what extent is there a possibility that it might evolve into something more serious? It's really not the tendency for something to evolve to be more virulent, especially in the climate where everybody is already vaccinated. So that to be more serious and break through our current level of vaccine is very difficult. So far, we have had all these variants from uh, the Omicron clade, and as they change and, and shuffle through the mutations themselves, they have not shown uh, anyone to be more serious than another. In fact, comparing Omicron and Delta, there's e- even some evidence that says that Omicron is a milder and less virulent in terms of, for example, the number of MISC cases in, in Omicron and number of deaths in certain countries. But this might not always be the case, right? Um, yeah, nothing is for certain. I was just saying that it's probably less likely because, and the reasons are given above because there's no pressure to push it to be more virulent, to be more, yeah, lethal. There's pressure to push it to be more transmissible. Mm. The thing is, some people have never contracted COVID, never. So no variant whatsoever. Yeah. Are they more vulnerable to the new mutations or is it unrelated, completely unrelated? Would they be more vulnerable? Yeah. So there are some studies that say that I'm just quoting uh, studies from BA1245 because the uh, studies for XBB is uh, very new and there's not much. Um, there is a, a study that says that if a person has contracted BA 
two, the protection against BFR5 goes up to 75%. Mm. So, however, if a person is vaccinated with the original vaccine, over time, the protection against infection goes down to 40, 30, or even lower than that. So, getting a previous infection recently from a recent variant does confer some hybrid immunity against the most current strain. So, if you have never gotten COVID before, and then this person only affords the protection given by the vaccine. We're speaking with Dr. Lo Chia-shen, infectious diseases specialist from Farrah Park Hospital. Now, Dr. Lo, new variants will always replace old ones, right? But what determines the rate of replacement? Ah, this is a very challenging question. Mm. Uh, I would say two things, pressure and permeability of transmission. I'll explain pressure. When COVID first started, we had no drug, no vaccine, no tools, absolutely nothing, right? People get it and, and we support them and hope that they get through. Um, with vaccination, we are inducing entire population to generate antibodies. With infection by previous variants, the entire populations are also swept through with antibodies created against previous variants. So these antibodies that are created generate pressure. Pressure for the virus to evolve in a, in a certain direction. And in this direction, it's very clear to be not susceptible to these antibodies over time. Yeah? So, of course, some of our treatments do not exit this pressure and, and are variant blind and are still effective against all variants. We do have treatments like that, but so, um, first of all, and, and that's pressure. So, number two is how permeable this virus is in the community. Of course, if you take one extreme, you have extreme lockdowns in certain parts of the world, then the disease is not, the virus is not very permeable. It doesn't spread through the community so fast. In a, uh, now that the world has gone to a stage where it's largely marched down and largely back to business as usual. That, that is, so it's back to normal transmissibility. So with higher transmissibility and higher transaction of transmission events like that, then rate of variance can go up somewhat. Right, right. Uh, that's certainly something to consider yeah, as we move forward and yes. uh, brace ourselves for new variants. The thing is, today, the bivalent version of Moderna's Spikevax vaccine has been rolled out. Give us your views on this vaccine. What extra protections does it offer, even against new variants such as XBB? This update, uh, first of all, is not meant to be a primary series. So a completely unvaccinated person is still supposed to take the primary vaccination of the original strain. This is only meant as a booster. So that's the first thing, which means a person getting this as a booster is getting a vaccine against the old strain and a vaccine against the new strain. And studies have shown when a person receives vaccines like that across different targeted against different variants, they get better immunity and that's high antibody count, even against variants that are not included in this too. So earlier on, there were people who were vaccinated against the original strain and beta, uh, which is some time ago, and they actually have high antibodies against delta. And there is a scientific basis for that. So we are confident to... to and of course, the paper is really out that says that if you are vaccinated with a booster, you can have higher uh, immunity against uh, BA5, which was not, but in the current vaccine against BA1 as part of the bivalent package. So, yeah, the new vaccine should increase the antibody against the XBB. In terms of vaccine development, what would you say is the next step here? Well, I think uh, our local actually, Professor Wong, Professor Wong is. <laughs> fervently working on the next step, yes. Uh, we are looking at, looking at something called the second generation. Um, mm. Of course, we can have more iteration of the same. We can always update our bivalent and catch up with the times with the variant of the day. Uh, but the problem is, even uh, the variant seems to be evolving faster than we can play catch up. 
So I guess the next quantum leap will be a pan-coronavirus vaccine. And this has generated a lot of interest in the international community. Mm, tell us more about this. And what so, exactly will it entail? The idea is a, is, is a vaccine that is variant-line. This comes from earlier studies where SARS-1 survivors uh, were vaccinated with SARS-2 vaccine and they have found to generate antibody even against animal coronaviruses that have not transmitted into the human sphere. So mm. This lays the groundwork that if we, that, that a pan-coronavirus vaccine is at, at least scientifically achievable. Right. And how long do you think something like that would take to come into being? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, it's hard for me to say because I, I only listened to the research uh, from right. the, the grapevine and I, I think Dr. Wong was like telling us a couple of years in a recent TV interview. Yeah, yeah. Of course, there are also other projects going on in the world where they're trying to develop a universal vaccine for all sorts of viruses. How far away are we from something like that? Uh, this kind of movement is taking foot in the COVID space. So, so we've also been trying to do that in the influenza space before trying to come up with a influ- uh, universal influenza vaccine that does not have to be updated year to year, season to season. The I have to say the challenges are, are quite quite substantial. So I think we might be still be years away. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of vaccines, we are transitioning to a new strategy for COVID-19 vaccinations. The focus will be on being up to date rather than based on the total number of shots received. What do you think of this approach? Is this the wisest way to go? Are there alternatives? Well, I think that there are first pros and cons to be, first of all, to be up to date. First of all, the logistic pipeline needs to be sufficient to deliver that number of vaccine to a large population. Because recently, as a few months ago, number of vaccination centers have come down. So to go up to date, then this this has to be a, a whole new effort to ramp up vaccination capacity. And the other thing is, the important thing about vaccination actually is protection against severity. If the discordance in case numbers being very high and death rates and ICU admissions being very low, seen in the recent Omicron wave, largely afforded by the fact that we have been uh, we are a highly boosted population. So it actually gives us some leeway to look at how we should proceed in the next few years. The science seems to show that vaccine protection against severe illness lasts a lot longer than vaccine protection against infection. So perhaps uh, in the most vulnerable group, yes, we should chase, we should chase uh, and get them vaccinated up to date with the newest variant. But I'm not so sure for for very, very healthy young people. Uh, I think the data is still a bit premature at this stage. Mm. It looks like we'll have to brace ourselves for this virus to continue being in our midst. In other words, endemic. Yes, entirely. (laughs) Thank you very much for that, Dr. Lo. Dr. Lo Chiashen, Infectious Diseases Specialist at Farrah Park Hospital. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.